Today on Bob and Your Live, we're going to be skipping the news of the day to talk about the four different types of love in the Bible. Eros love, storge love, phileo love, and the most famous of them all, agape love. Agape love is the ultimate love that Christ has for us and the love that we should have for him. We're getting into all those details and more. Should be a lot of fun today on Bob and Yard Live. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I am your host, Dominic Enyart. This is the show where we bring you the news of the day through a biblical lens. But every now and then we mess up and we skip the news and go straight to the biblical lens. We forget the news. Today we're going full Bible study, forgetting the news, which should be pretty fun. I want to talk about the concept of love in the Bible. A lot of the time when people talk about love, they get super emotional about it and they just really start to feel it and they get into it and they become absorbed by it, which is great. You know, love is a powerful thing and it really can be, you know, uh, emotional, but I've noticed something that's kind of a bummer when people talk about love in the church They get so wrapped up in the feeling of it that they miss some really cool stuff. You've probably heard the expression, can't see the forest for the trees. And that's pretty much what happens when a lot of the church talks about love. So I'm going to pull away from the emotion a little bit here on today's show. And I think it'll be really interesting. Now, the best definition of love I've ever heard was from Thomas Aquinas, actually. Aquinas had some really interesting views about love. Maybe we'll get into those a little later on in the show. But he defined love, and he said, to love is to will the good of the other. Or in other words, love is wanting what's best for someone else. A lot of the time, what's best for them, it can be tough love. So it's not this emotion that you get. It's this desire that you have that you want what's best for someone else, even if that might not be the most emotionally comfortable thing. Now, in English, that word love, it can mean a multitude of things. You know, it's kind of sad how vague it is. We say love as a form of worship. You know, we love God. We love our parents. We love our siblings. We might say Bill is falling in love if he's in a romantic relationship. We love hamburgers. Patriots love their country. We're supposed to love our enemies. And we have one word for all of that. And usually it's pretty easy to distinguish between all of them with context. But imagine someone, if they were to miscommunicate which type of love they were talking about, right? If Bill, right, Bill is the guy falling in love. If Bill told his fiance that he loved her, but accidentally miscommunicated and said that he loved her in the sense that he loved a cheeseburger, she'd probably be pretty sad. But now in the Bible, something similar, there are different kinds of love. We see four primary kinds of love in the Bible. There's Eros love, there's Storge love, and then one that's a little bit more famous, Phileo love. And the most famous type of love in the Bible is Agape love. 
LearnReligions.com. They have some great stuff on love, by the way. Recommend you check them out. Before we get into love, though, and I, I want to talk about some of the theology of love. It's really interesting. Today's show is sponsored by Bob S. from Connecticut. I actually met Bob at the 25th year anniversary of Bob and Yurt Live. He's a really cool guy. Bob, thanks so much for helping out and keeping us on air. I really appreciate it. If you guys enjoy today's show, go ahead and thank Bob. I mean, Bob, what a name, coincidentally, right? You can thank two Bobs, my father and Bob S. from Connecticut. If anyone else wants to sponsor a show, you are able to, kgov.com slash sponsor. Now, you can imagine in a situation like I mentioned with Bill, and he shows the wrong type of love to his fiance, things might get confused. There would be a misunderstanding and there would be sadness, but that isn't too likely to happen accidentally in day-to-day life. Usually a recently engaged couple won't find it too difficult to express which type of love they have for each other. But the same actually though, it can't be said for when we're reading the Bible. Very often when we're reading the Bible, we see the word love and we just assume the meaning when it's worth putting a little bit more thought into. Um, so I, I would like to go through the four types of love and give a brief summary of each in the Bible and give examples of when they're used and some examples about how we get confused. The first type of love I, I want to talk about is eros love. Now, eros, that's a Greek term. It doesn't actually appear in the Bible itself, that word eros, but the concept of eros love is that of a romantic love. In the Song of Solomon, or more appropriately named the Song of Songs, or in Proverbs, we see the concept of eros love on full display. That is that romantic love, the desire for romantic intimacy. That's illustrated through Solomon. Now, the Bible, it doesn't need to be censored, of course. It's the word of God. However, talking through, say, the Song of Songs can be difficult because of its romantic nature. So this, we're talking about eros love. This Greek term eros, it's actually where we get our word erotic. If you've ever gone through the Song of Songs and there have been children present, it might have been a little bit uncomfortable because... If you've gone through that book, you'll see that the Bible doesn't shy away from subjects that can be a little touchy. You know, my intuition always was that the Bible wouldn't even come near that stuff until you actually read the Bible. And then you see that it doesn't always shy away from those Eros conversations. But a lot of the time, it's, it's pretty blunt. You know, the Bible will use euphemisms, you know, such as he knew her which is really handy if you're doing a Bible study and kids are, you know, they're, they're there. It's a lot easier to say that, oh, John knew Jill. That euphemism is very helpful. But this Eros love in the Bible, it's the love that is reserved for marriage. When the Bible talks about two becoming one flesh, Eros love plays a big role in that. Eros love in its best light is something to be celebrated, right? Proverbs 5 teaches to rejoice in the wife of your youth. And Ecclesiastes 9 teaches to enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Both of those are examples of Eros love. 
Eros in its worst light is something to be afraid of and it will cause damage. Reading now from 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." So you get that we are members of the body of Christ and that eros, romance, it can be dangerous. Paul writes here to flee from sexual immorality. That is flee from the form of eros, love. Now, sexual immorality, as is all immorality, is not love or, you know, rather it's it's more of a warped, twisted form of love that looks like love, but it's actually not love. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing version of love, but it is not love. And quick story about Eros love. I think I mentioned this on the show before, but one time I was doing ministry with this anti-abortion group, Abolish Human Abortion, and we were out at a campus doing ministry, and my dad, Bob Enyart, was there, and we were talking about abortion. And when we talk about abortion, we say, hey, this is wrong because God says murder is wrong. And that is a fantastic segue into gospel conversations because we're talking about God, we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about morality. And so a lot of other conversations come up from that segue. And at one point there were these two lesbians and they came up to my dad and they started mocking him for being a Christian. And they were being gross and crude. And at one point, one of these girls points to her partner and says, I love her. Really angry about it. She was like yelling, screaming almost. And my dad looks at her and says, you don't. No, you, you don't love her. And when he said that, this lady, she went absolutely berserk. Like my dad was so calm and level-headed and this lady flies into a rage. And I'm watching from the sidelines. This was when I was maybe, I don't know, a freshman in high school. And it was my first time seeing something like this. I mean, I've been doing ministry since I was little. And I've had people flip us off as they drive by or cuss us out or something. But this chick, it was like she was she had a demon inside of her or something. It was it was scary. Anyways, she starts screaming and at something at my dad. I forget what she said, but my dad responded to her so calmly. He said, you don't love her. And he pointed to the other girl and said, you are only using her as a tool to express your hatred of God. And this crazy demon lady, she just goes silent. She was in a rage, screaming. She just goes completely silent. And there's maybe 10 people around in our little circle there, and everyone was quiet after that. Every Everything was silent, which after the contrast of her screaming to just dead silence, her silence spoke in volumes. She had that false eros, you know, love, I say love with air quotes there, in its worst light. 
And I don't know whatever happened with her. I mean, I pray that she ended up coming to Christ, but I don't know. But by the way, that passage about love that I just read, I want to read the end of it again. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. That's actually a strong anti-suicide passage. Suicide, in a sense, it is murder. It's unjustly killing someone you don't have the right to kill. And just because you're killing yourself, that isn't an excuse because you are not your own to kill. Next up, I want to talk about storge love. While eros is a romantic love, storge is a Greek word used in Christianity to mean love of family, right? If you are expressing the love of your father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, that is storge love. C.S. Lewis explores storge love in his book, The Four Loves, which I haven't gone through yet, but studying for today's show, I think I'm going to get that and go through it. I'll have to let you guys know how that is. But as with eros, the term itself doesn't appear in the Bible. The word astorgos, though, it does appear in the New Testament, and astorgos is the opposite of storge. In Second Timothy and in Romans, Paul describes sinners as being heartless, and the word he uses in both cases is astorgos. We do see the compound of the word storge, however, the word philostorgos, which puts the two words philos and storge together. We see honor your father and mother. That is a storge love. And now this brings us to the third love in the Bible. The third and the fourth, I think, are the most interesting, but they all have a lot of interesting stuff about them. The third is phileo love. Phileo love describes a close friendship. A lot of people think of phileo love as a brotherly love. It's similar to respect, almost a mutual respect. It's often based on mutual interests or mutual devotions. So when you love someone who goes to the same to the same church as you, that'll usually be a phileo love. Or when you have Wednesday night Bible study with some people that you're not super close to, but you know you're friends with them, that would be considered a phileo love. Now, phileo love isn't the most passionate of loves. Rather, it's more of an all-encompassing love. You know, it's not as broad as the English word love, right? You wouldn't phileo a hamburger, but you would phileo a dude who flies in every year for the church picnic. Or maybe even a closer phileo love, you might phileo love your best friend that you've known since first grade. You'd phileo him. You might phileo love your family in addition to storge loving them. You know, storge love, that is the love of your family. You might do that, and you might additionally phileo love them. And, you know, Christians, we have a unique family relationship with one another. We are all family in the sense that we are all in the body of Christ. Plus, I mean, if you go back to Noah, we are all related anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but no, we're all members of the body of Christ, and we are to love one another. That can be a phileo love. That can be a storge love. And that is also an agape love. We'll get into agape in a little bit. But we see phileo love several times in the Bible. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. 
First Thessalonians chapter 4, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. That indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Pause here real quick I uh, before going to the next verses. I love how Paul just says, you know, you guys are doing a pretty good job at loving each other. You know, a lot of the times you'll go to church or a small group and there'll be someone leading the Bible study and he'll ask a discussion question and say something like, in what ways do we fail to love each other? Or, you know, some other question like that. And it's always a real pointed question, always assuming the worst, assuming we don't have our lives together, which can be valuable. But I like here how Paul recognizes that these guys are doing well. He's just like, you know what? You guys are loving each other and keep doing it because that's great. Continuing now, Second Peter chapter 1, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. First Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Romans 12:10 Love one another with brotherly affection. These are all examples of brotherly or phileo love. I don't know if you guys have ever had a Philly cheesesteak, right? And I'm going to win some enemies here by saying this, but the Philly cheesesteak, I had one for the first time a few years ago and it really did not live up to the hype. I mean, they're okay, but they're not worth all the hype. If you've never had one, they're pretty good, but they're definitely overplayed. Anyways, Philly cheesesteak, that's a cheesesteak from Philadelphia. That name, Philadelphia, you might have heard Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's a really good way to remember that in the Bible, phileo love is brotherly love. Phileo, which means you know, brotherly love, mashed with Delfino, which is a term related to dolphin or to a water town. Mash those two up into one word and you get Phileo Delfino, Philadelphia. You know, the water town of brotherly love. And finally, that brings us to the most famous of all the loves, agape love. There's the famous John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. You know, agape, agape is considered the highest type of love in the Bible. Agape love describes the love that Jesus has for his father and for his followers. Agape means perfect, unconditional love. Note that I didn't say unconditional forgiveness, but unconditional love. Jesus lived out agape love by sacrificing himself on the cross for us. John 15, 13 teaches, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I mentioned Thomas Aquinas before. He said, to love is to will the good of another. Your will is an act of choice. Love is is a choice you choose to love. You know, you don't always choose emotion. You don't always choose to fall in love, as they say. 
and, and you don't choose to get that good butterfly emotion, but you can always choose to love. Regardless of your situation, you can love because love is a choice. Agape love, it's the same. Agape love is a choice. Agape love is not an emotion. It's a choice. It is the ultimate love. We are to agape Christ. We are supposed to agape Christ. You know, our love for Christ, we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We are supposed to agape God. We are not supposed to eros love Christ. That would be weird. By the way, I saw a video a few years ago about these ex-gays for Christ is what they called themselves, and they really made me uncomfortable. It was a bunch of Christian guys who say they used to be gay, and now they're not gay, which is good, but they all had a similar theme, which made me really uncomfortable. They all acted as if Christ was their Eros love, and it was super uncomfortable. One of them said, and he said with a flamboyant voice, you know, Jesus, I realized that I don't need a boyfriend because Jesus is my boyfriend. And let me tell you, when I heard that, that sent shivers down my spine. That is, that is, I thought that was absolutely terrible. And that comes in part from perversion that they have in their lives and also from a lack of understanding love, what love is, what different types of love are appropriate for different people. But Eros love is not appropriate for Christ. We are to agape love Christ. You know, our love for Christ can have an aspect of storge love in it, but that doesn't fully describe it. The same with phileo love. In fact, Christ specifically commands us to agape love him. You know, earlier I mentioned we might confuse the forms of love in the Bible and miss out on some interesting stuff. I want to read a quick Bible story here from the book of John. But first, I'm going to give some context. This is right after that Jesus foretold that Peter would deny Christ. Peter did just as Jesus said. He denied Christ. Then Christ was crucified, buried, and he rises from the dead. Now, Jesus, after rising from the dead, he goes and he talks to Peter. So this is pretty intense, right? Peter denies Jesus, and now they're talking together. Brutal. You can imagine it might be a little tense and awkward, Peter having just denied Christ after saying that he loves him and that he would never deny him. But now reading from John chapter 21, and I'm going to skip around it a tiny bit in this chapter, not much. Remember as I'm reading this that the name Simon and Peter are used interchangeably. They're the same person. So John chapter 21, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So the first time people read this, you know, it's, it's pretty emotional, right? 
Jesus keeps asking Peter if he loves him. It's almost as if Jesus doesn't believe Peter, so he keeps asking. And Peter is hurting and grieved because it's like God doesn't believe him and he keeps asking. And that's the normal interpretation of it, right? But there's a whole new layer to it that so many Christians miss because they're not aware of the different types of love in the Bible. I'm going to read this again, but I'm going to superimpose the different words for love that they used, and it's way more emotional. You know, I said at the beginning, I want to get away from emotion to talk about how interesting it is, but here I am going back to emotion, right? And it really is, it's not a good emotion. It's a brutally sad emotion, but I'm going to read this again from John chapter 21. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you agape me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Can you imagine the pain in that conversation? It's not that Peter thinks that God isn't trusting him here. Peter is explicitly saying here that he phileo loves Christ. When Jesus here is specifically asking, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. Can you imagine how intense and painful and even just awkward that that situation would be? So when you're reading your Bible and you see the word love, take the time to look at love and see which type of love is being used. And it'll really change the way that you view a lot of it. And it's, it's important. So that agape love, we are to focus on agape loving Christ. We are supposed to agape love Christ. And it is my prayer that the world would agape Christ. By the way, um, a few shows ago, I talked about why we need to stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on loving others, and that would be a key to solve a lot of our problems. Uh, The love of self, by the way, that isn't one of the types of love in the Bible, love of the self. If you search the Bible for love yourself, the first thing that comes up is that verse I mentioned that says, you are not your own. So that's kind of funny. Don't focus on loving yourself. Focus on agape loving Christ. By the way, Telethon Month is over. We were looking for people to sponsor shows. We were looking for 20 people, which this is a hefty goal of ours. We never back down from a hefty goal here at BEL. But we were looking for 20 people to sponsor one show a month, and we ended up with 10 different people offering to sponsor one show a month. Guys, thank you so much. Half of our goal is, that is phenomenal. 
We also ended with 83 one-time show sponsorships. Because you guys have helped us out, you are allowing us to continue on the radio. We are so grateful, and we are willing to put in the work to bring you guys the quality content that you want. If you would still like to sponsor a show, you can, kgov.com slash sponsor, but we won't be pestering you too much about it. Well, at least maybe not until the next telephone. You know, I could do that telephone whenever I want. I'm the boss now. So uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll start that here in December. No, no, I'm just kidding. But anyways, we are so thankful for all of you guys. Today's show was sponsored by Bob S. Bob, thank you so, so, so much. I hope we get to meet again soon. It's been a long time. Still not able to give that exciting announcement quite yet. I'm hoping maybe Monday I'll be able to give that announcement that I've been teasing all week. I hope you join us tomorrow on Theology Thursday and Friday, Real Science Radio with Fred Williams. That show is going to be a blast. I'll see you guys again here on Monday. It is December, so I'm in a Christmassy mood, so it is with joy in my heart that I remind you to do right and risk the consequences.